Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 32 of Preston Jensen's podcast. I'm your host, Preston Jensen, and I'm very excited you're here. This will be the la- last podcast of 2020. I can't believe it's uh, already been doing about a year of podcasting here. Well, 32 straight weeks. And uh, when I started, I didn't even think I'd make it past the intro. So uh, here we are 32 weeks later. I'm having a lot of fun. I got a lot of stuff planned for the future. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Met a lot of cool people, uh, learning a lot of cool stuff. Uh, This week, I didn't ask a guest to come on because it is like I said, the last uh, podcast of the year, and everyone's busy with families right now, so I didn't really want to bug anybody. But uh, that's okay because some big news came uh, with the FAA this week that uh, the final ruling of the remote ID has been passed, and there's some things that I think a lot of drone pilots are going to be very excited about in this ruling, and Uh, Some things are still up in the air. I mean, there are still some things that uh, are going to require more explanation. I don't know if that's going to be on the part of the FAA or drone manufacturers, but uh, it's all good stuff that's going to hopefully come in the future that uh, will expand the opportunities for drone pilots. Um, I actually haven't read the full explanation of the ruling. If you go to the FAA's website, It is actually 470 pages long. I am going to sit back and wait for my favorite YouTube creators to uh, break it down and give me a summary. And uh, the specific creator that I'm going to look at is Russ with 51 Drones. He is, uh, I guess I could say, a friend of mine. He's been on this podcast and uh, very nice guy. And he always does an exceptional job of breaking down the FAA rulings. And I know that he is currently reading through these pages and coming up with uh, hopefully a detailed explanation video on this ruling. Um, I saw him tweet something like he's currently reading the explanation, and hopefully uh, we will have a video from him shortly. So I'll definitely link his channel below so you guys can keep an eye out for that. Uh, Another good resource to keep an eye on is Bill the Drone Reviewer. Um, I saw he had a live stream talking about this ruling and some of the things that uh, were his initial reactions and thoughts uh, coming out of this ruling. So I'll leave a link in the description below for his channel as well. Uh, Both are great resources when it comes to the drone industry and the uh, laws that go along with it. So uh, keep an eye out for those rulings as far as a more detailed explanation on it. Today, I'm just going to give my basic impressions, my uh, initial reactions. And if you guys have any more questions for me in the future, feel free to message me on um, any of my links, if you just go to PrestonJensen.com, you'll be able to get a hold of me there or check me out on YouTube. But uh, I'm actually a little bit excited about this final ruling. I know when the uh, initial proposal came out, I was really discouraged by it. Uh, it seemed like there was a lot of roadblocks, especially owning a drone business like myself. Uh, I thought that uh, there's going to be a lot of roadblocks and it's going to be tough to conduct business. But now after seeing the final ruling, 
I feel like they actually took our critiques and our uh, messages to heart and they are, they were at least trying to make it fair for everybody. So I guess I came up with three main positives coming out of this ruling and three things that I'm still kind of questioning or up in the air about at this time. Uh, the first thing I was very excited about is it looks like there's going to be more flexibility for night flights and flights over people. Now, the night flight thing isn't something that I was too excited about. I already have my night flight waiver. I went through the paperwork of getting uh, a night flight waiver approved, and that's something that I, th I think it's it's either two, probably four years that that's good for. So I'm actually still legally able to fly at night right now with use of uh, anti-collision lights that can be seen for, what, what is it, three statute miles. This is all stuff that uh, if I'm flying at night, there's some limitations on what I can do and what I have to do to fly at night. But uh, So I, I guess I wasn't too excited about that night flight ruling just because um, I'm already able to fly at night. Obviously, you're still going to have to do some things to your drone to be able to fly at night. You're going to have to probably get special lighting or special approvals. Uh, that's yet to be seen. But the flight over people is something that I think is a huge opportunity for drone pilots. Uh, that's something that in the past has been an absolute no way. I've looked into it myself on um, getting my drone equipped with a drone or a parachute that would make it safe to fly over people and get a waiver that way. But still, even with the parachute and all the paperwork, uh, they could still say, no, uh, you're not able to fly over people. And those parachutes are very expensive. Now, they haven't exactly said what you're going to have to have on the drones to make them capable of flying over people. Uh, I know they've got like three different categories you've got to fall into, or you've got to fall into one of the three categories to be able to fly over people. But just the fact that they have a possibility of being able to fly over people is something that is kind of exciting for a drone pilot. And I know their final ruling on that has to do with delivering packages. Amazon is definitely um, pushing this so they can deliver their packages via drone. Um, that's going to be something that's very interesting to keep an eye on in the future. Uh, I don't know what that's going to look like, how it's going to be possible with cold temperatures, especially in North Dakota's climate, how uh, the batteries are going to work in in the wintertime. And so that's all stuff that uh, Amazon's going to have to work through. But uh, it'll be interesting to see where the drone industry leads as far as deliveries. But uh, it's nice that they opened up the door for flight over people for smaller pilots like myself. Uh, I feel like if I was able to fly over people, um, that would give me all sorts of cool options for filming um, that I wouldn't have at the current time. Uh, the second thing, and maybe this is the biggest thing that I'm excited about, is the network-based internet transmission requirements have been eliminated from the proposal. Uh, this is one of the things I was very nervous about just because uh, I do a lot of real estate shoots and a lot of the real estate that I'm shooting is 
out in the middle of the country in North Dakota. And a lot of times I don't have cell phone reception. There's no internet uh, connectivity where I'm flying. So this would basically mean that I wouldn't be able to do those jobs. And that's a large portion of my business. So I was very excited to see that they moved to a broadcast only requirement, which um, is going to require some more equipment on your drone, but uh, I'm willing to make that uh, uh, investment if I'm not having to have a constant internet connection. Uh, it's going to be uh, uh, a lot easier than always having internet. Um, and then the third thing I was excited about is that it looks like the recurrent test every 24 months for a Part 107 pilot is going to be eliminated as well. Uh, it says that instead there's going to be recurrent training. So uh, I obviously am excited about that. Um, it's not fun to study for a test every 24 months, and it's not fun to have to pay $150 to take that test every two years. So... Um, I'm excited about that, but that brings me to my questions. What is that training going to look like? And is that something we're going to have to pay for? Is it something we're going to have to go to a testing facility and do training with a certified instructor? Or is that something we're going to be able to sit online and listen to presentations and get our hours in? Uh, I guess they're not really clear with how that's going to look as far as the recurrent training goes. But uh, it's something that I'm sure they're going to be answering in the near future, and I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like. Um, another one of the big questions I had is, are we going to be able to use our old drones? I know uh, earlier in this podcast I referenced Bill the Drone Reviewer uh, in his live stream. He was speculating that uh, he feels like companies like DJI uh, will come out with modules that will be able to comply with remote ID for the old drones. That would be something that I would be excited about because I've already got a fleet of drones. It's not going to be very cost effective to have to scrap all those old drones and buy new ones that are remote ID capable. However, if that's what it takes, I guess that's what I'm going to have to do. But uh, it would be nice if there was a way to solve that problem, uh, maybe install some uh, extra hardware. And I guess I don't know what that's going to look like if uh, the older drones are going to be able to carry a big enough payload to house whatever it takes to broadcast this remote ID. You wouldn't think it would take too much. Um, it would be really nice if they were able to just do it via firmware update or something, but... Uh, I'm not a electrical engineer or a drone engineer to tell you if that's uh, something that can be done, but uh, that's another one of the big questions I was thinking about when I was looking through this ruling. And that brings me to my last big question with this ruling, and that is, what is the FPV community going to think of this? Um, a lot of their drones have to be stripped down to the bare minimum because of weight, and uh, they like to have their drones as streamlined as possible to make sure that uh, they're easier to fly. And I don't know if this uh, type of hardware that needs to be on the drones for remote ID is going to make it harder for these drone pilots to fly their FPV drones. And I know I've talked about in the past on this podcast, I feel like 
the FPV drone community is the most skilled drone community because, man, if you watch those guys fly, they're able to fly these things without GPS in tight locations and get some of the most amazing footage that you can possibly imagine. It's not uh, going to Best Buy buying a DJI that has GPS lock and auto land and stuff like that. If you let go of the controls on these FPV drones, you're going to crash them. And uh, a lot of these FPV guys, uh, they've uh, spent a lot of blood, sweat, and tears trying to get these drones to the way they like them. And uh, hopefully they'll be able to have a community where uh, this remote ID will still work with what they're trying to do. I know this is a short podcast tonight, but I thought I wanted to give you guys a little breakdown or behind the scenes of what I'm thinking about this remote ID ruling. There's going to be a lot more to come on this. Uh, I hope you guys check out Russ with 51 Drones YouTube channel. Uh, check out Build the Drone Reviewers channel for updated information on this remote ID ruling. Uh, before we go though, I've got to do a little breakdown of the year we've had on this podcast. Uh, when I started this podcast way back 32 weeks ago, uh, filming my intro, I had absolutely no direction on where this podcast was going to be going. Uh, I found out quickly that it's not going to be easy to talk to the microphone myself. Uh, I'm going to have to have guests on this podcast and, I, when I thought back, I thought, oh man, who should I have on this podcast? I don't really know what my listeners would like listening to. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to start asking my favorite YouTubers to come on to the show. I doubt they'll say yes, but the worst they can say is no. I reached out to a couple of them and to my surprise, they were all willing to come on and uh, get interviewed on my show, provide my listeners with unbelievable experience and knowledge and I want to thank all the guests I've had this year. Uh, they've made my show what it is today and without them um, my show would really be nothing. I, I really appreciate them spending the time out of their busy days to come on this show and make it what it has become. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm learning a lot of stuff that I didn't think I would learn I didn't even know I was trying to learn this stuff, but uh, it's amazing what happens when you just push record. Um, it's been a recurrent theme that all the people I have on say the biggest mistake they can, they've made throughout their career is not making content sooner. Um, and I was stuck in the same rut. Uh, I've been watching YouTube for years and I thought, uh, you know what? I don't have the right camera equipment. I don't have uh, the right stuff to get <laughs> to get videos made. And once I started recording myself, uh, that is the best way to learn. I feel like my channel has grown as far as production quality. I'm getting more comfortable talking to the microphone for this podcast, for my interviews, and for my videos. And I am very excited for what the future holds, not only on this podcast, but on my YouTube channel. Um, there's going to be a lot of fun things coming, and I can't wait to bring you guys along for the ride. So with that, I want to say have a safe and happy new year. I enjoy each and every single one of you listeners, 
and I appreciate you guys more than you can ever imagine. Uh, thank you for listening, and stay tuned for future episodes. Thanks again.